Every snap is an interview. After the snap. What a snap. And keep your mouth shut, 50! I lead by example. With Blake and Reed Ferguson discussing life in, out, and after football. To be able to leave walking away with a degree and a championship, uh, it couldn't be any better. Yeah! Well, you can take this boy out the real south, but you can't take the real south out of my voice. And now here we go again, twist a little bit deeper because you got thick skin. What is the deal after the snap? We have returned. What's up, brother? What's up? I enjoyed a great hot weekend in Buffalo. A lot of grilling, little bit of little bit of bruise, and a whole lot of baby time. What is a hot weekend in Buffalo? Like a balmy sixty-four <laughs> degrees, or I, this what are we weekend talking? was this weekend was far from balmy, my friend. Far oh. from balmy. Uh, I, would descri- I would describe. Um, I would describe Miami week two as balmy you had to change your uniform you were sweating so much do i not know what balmy means all right well i'm looking up balmy on google right now balmy pleasantly warm it's pleasantly pleasantly warm warm. in miami in week two pleasant to say pleasant is a word that is for sure okay pleasantly warm it was pleasantly warm in buffalo this weekend it was like i don't know 80 it was like i think the feels like was like mid 80s Wow. Real temp was maybe 80, 82. Um, pure sunshine. Uh, it was phenomenal. Great weather. Got to get out, walk around a little bit. Like I said, uh, did some grilling. Uh, shout out to uh, my Twitter people. Uh, we got hashtag Grills Mafia going now. So for all the Buffalo listeners, if you find yourself uh, out on the grill this summer, uh, feel free to post, post, that, post those pictures. We want to see the the Grills Mafia uh, represent the summer. So uh, I did some some sausage and some kebabs uh, this weekend. They were so good. Steak kebabs, chicken kebabs. They were phenomenal. And uh, Erica loved them. I loved them as well. They're great. So hashtag Grills Mafia. Shout out. Shout out to everybody that participated this past weekend. It was great. I also did something cool this past weekend. I was in the building for the Mayweather fight. That was pretty tight. And Who did he fight? He fought Logan Paul. Who was Paul. his opponent? Logan Paul was okay. his exhibition bout opponent, which it was weird because there was there were no judges and there was no declared winner after the fight. It was literally an exhibition because in the event that Floyd were to lose, he didn't want to lose his 50-0 record because it wasn't like an actual – he wasn't fighting like an actual fighter. If that if so, that is not the biggest money grab dude, he, I've ever and he, heard of. And he walked away with like – he walked away with the, like 75 mil or something stupid. Oh, my gosh. You're kidding. He, there well, was, he, were there, was it – were there fans? Yeah. There was – in it looked weird because it was a Hard Rock Stadium, so – it looked very empty in the actual like stadium part, but in an arena, it would have been packed. The stage packed. was at midfield, right? Correct. But the, there the were not fans in the, in the, the stands. Field. So in there the football were stands. There were probably, I'd say, somewhere f- around five thousand people on the actual field level, like it, like on the floor, and then there were probably another. 
I'd give it 20,000, maybe less than that in the stands. So oh, that's a pretty um, good amount though. I mean, that's, a, yeah, but it was, yeah, it was scattered. It was may have been less than that, but that was, that was really cool. Did, give me your thoughts. Like, and, give me your thoughts. What did you, what did, did it look real? I mean, I know I saw a video of like J or Logan, Paul. Yeah. Logan. I think I saw Jake's a video of him Jake's like getting brother. knocked out or like, you know, he, like Floyd got him. Mm-hmm. And then he like fell on Floyd. Floyd was like trying to keep him up because he wanted to yeah. keep the fight going. You know that yeah. kind of thing. I would Did say. It seem real? I mean, it seemed more like a boxing match or more like a WWE. It was. It, a lot of people were were pretty mad that it went the way that it did because it didn't seem like an actual fight. Um, I did see the video of Floyd hitting Logan, and then he kind of like falls, and like Floyd catches him. Yeah, but like in like watching it live, you couldn't like you couldn't really tell that. Maybe it was from where I was from where I was sitting. If you were ringside, maybe you would have been able to see better and see mm-hmm. that. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a cool experience. I wanted to I wanted to go just because I wanted to say that I had seen Floyd Mayweather fight at some point in my lifetime, just yeah, because cool. he's he's legendary and you know he will argue go down as arguably one of the greatest boxers in history so for sure yeah it was cool it did i will say and last thing i'll say about it it didn't get as much chatter i don't think like on twitter and stuff as i thought it would for uh producer chris says that did, did they each walk away with 100 million or they split 100 million no floyd made 100 <clears throat> floyd million. made 100 yeah. million so yeah. for, for floyd, the, i think for that amount of money i don't know if i saw as much cha- i mean that's a lot of cash yeah i think he was guaranteed I think he was guaranteed 10 million like base and then he got 50% of the uh pay-per-view money oh, okay. revenue. Yeah. And then I I believe Logan got 250k guaranteed with 10% of the pay-per-view. Dang. So, and then Floyd, you know, Floyd is his promotions company is the one putting on the fight. So he sure. made like yeah, of 40 million. He made like 40 million before they even fought, you know, yeah, that's with, crazy. so he, he's definitely a good businessman. Next thing. I mean, we, we, you know, looking, looking forward, we got mini camp coming up. I know you didn't do mini camp last year because of, you know, we were home in Atlanta. Do you have, have you been talking to some of your guys on the team now, kind of what to expect, what, you know, what's, what are your thoughts on, on mini camp coming up? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I didn't get this opportunity as a rookie, so I'm going to go into it just with an open mind and, and trying to learn as much as I can being a second year player. I know how practices run under coach flow. So it'll be a little bit smoother than, you know, my first couple of days of training camp last year, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and it's going to be a hot couple of days outside. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing for me at this point now is when I was, you know, in your shoes, kind of learning the ropes still about kind of about how how the day to day stuff worked. Uh, being on an NFL team, it, you know, once you have been in for a couple of years, a lot of it slows down because you know more and more what to expect as a typical off season rolls around. But yeah, I mean, it, we we we've got a lot of guys uh, here now. We're we're, you know, like I said, we're mini camps next week, so we're about to about to finish up before uh, our little summer break before training camp. But uh, yeah, I'm excited as well. It's going to be um, a good couple days, and 
and I know the guys are the guys are excited as well. So uh, let's let's bounce into uh, our our the third part, uh, the third and final part of our three week series day in the life. Uh, and this week we will be covering home games. Uh, so as far as you know, just a little background. Uh, two weeks ago in uh, part one we did. Uh, day in the life of training camp and kind of what those weeks and days look like around meetings and practicing and stuff and then some preseason games. Uh, Last week we covered uh, our favorite things about away games and kind of how our prep uh, throughout the week differs a little bit between home games and away games. Uh, This week we will be covering home games. Uh, So Blake to kick it off uh, I'll just ask the easy question uh, from for for a home game week. Uh, what do, what does your prep look like when you're prepping for a home game? Does it does it change from away games? You know, c- c- tell me how. Tell me kind of how. Tell me kind of what your thought process is uh, as you're as you're looking forward to you know week two as you're playing the Bills at home. Yeah, I think when you have a game in South Florida in Miami the first thing that you have to prepare for is beso- obviously besides you know the other team and and getting the game plan and all of that the first thing you got to prepare for is the weather and and being outside in the heat um, and so just getting getting used to being in the sun and and the making sure you're obviously extra hydrated and all of that th- all of that stuff um, so that would be the first thing I would say. Um, we do a lot of, a lot more wet ball practice because it rains. So, you know, it's, you get these scattered cells that pop up like in the middle of nowhere, uh, during games. And we kind of talked about that last week, I think with, you know, just the fact that it rained in the middle of the game for like five minutes and it just downpoured. And so, wet ball drill and, and making sure that I'm good with a uh, football that could be uh, rained on is, is important. And then I guess, lastly, I have more time. So I have more, you know, a lot more downtime because you're not traveling, you're not packing your clothes and, uh, and all that stuff. You're not getting ready to go on the road. So you can spend a little more time doing recovery. You can spend more time, you know, watching some of the practice film or watching, your opponent's game film from the previous games. So uh, that's that's how my prep changes. Is there anything that you do that's not similar to what I do? Yeah, well, my I was going to ask you one question just from a snapper's perspective because I know um, a big chunk of our listener base are, you know, long snappers, college, high school, you know, maybe younger than, younger than high school, guys that are just starting out. But from, from – you know, when you're prepping for a potential rain game, you know, and you're and you're okay, you've done your period of practice, your punt period, and your field goal period, and you're off doing your own work uh, with a wet ball. What 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 kind of prep? What what's how does snapping a wet ball for you differ than when you're just using a normal dry ball? What kind? How how does your does your grip change? You know, you know, to walk me through kind of your thought process for that. Yeah, my my grip really stays the same. Obviously, unless it's like completely downpouring, where it's like a soaking wet football, my grip stays the same. I just really have to focus more on my follow through and making sure that you know I'm I'm really focusing on getting the ball back there first, and then 
focusing on my protection or, you know, when we're kicking field goals, if, you know, making sure I hit my spot first before I do anything else. Obviously, if so, when I when I grab the ball for a field goal, I don't grab laces. I don't use laces and I don't think you do either. No, I don't. Um, As of a couple of years ago, I, I switched. Yeah. And I and the reason for those who uh, are not familiar, the reason that we do that, the reason we don't grab laces on field goals is so that because we know the number of rotations it takes to get the ball from us to the holder and we can move the ball around in our hands without the laces to um, make sure that we get perfect laces once the ball actually reaches the holder. So when he catches the ball, the laces are, are in the same place every single time so that they're out of the way of, of being kicked. Now, when it's downpouring and it's the ball is a lot more slippery, I will um, grab the laces to you know make sure that I can actually grip and grip and rip the ball because – you know, if it's if it's a slippery ball, you're not gonna. You know, the laces are gonna be a lot more valuable. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, and I think the the one thing that <clears throat> kind of carry overs carries over uh, to myself is the follow through aspect. Uh, just because when you do have a ball that <clears throat> has been getting rained on a little bit, or even a ball like you said that's been downpoured on that they just haven't swapped out of the game, uh, you know, it takes a little more oomph. It, uh, you know, to get it to the punter itself, you know, himself. So uh, when I, depending on the weight of the ball, I will sometimes aim a little higher just because I know by the time it gets to him, you know, if I'm aiming for his hip normally, you know, if with a, with a heavier rain ball, I'm going to try to put a little more, you know, a little more, um, like I said, a little more oomph behind it, you know, to maybe try and hit him more in the chest where it's easier for him to catch it to flip his hands up instead of catching it with his thumbs to the sky. He can catch it more like a catcher in baseball. Uh, that makes it a little easier for the punter sometimes. But other, other than kind of getting used to the weather conditions, one thing that I've liked to do over the past couple of years is at least one day out of the, out of the week leading up to uh, practicing for, a, you know, practicing for a home game, leading up to a home game. I like to get down in the stadium, you know, at least one of those days, I feel like that really helps me to get my surroundings. Uh, and, and, you know, even though I've been playing in there for a long time, it helps my eyesight and my peripherals kind of get familiar with what I'm going to be seeing on game day. Uh, when I'm, punt, you know, we go down there and do a, a little punt session, go down there and do, you know, a little field goal session, uh, whatever it may be, just spending some time uh, during practice down at the stadium, which, and it's so convenient because we, pra- you know, the practice facility is right next to the stadium. Uh, which I think is is like for you guys, you are a little further away, so it's not as easy to get there uh, on a on a home game week. Yeah, our well, our facility we're actually moving into a new facility that's at the stadium uh, in like June or July. So oh, that's great. We will be yeah this fall for for this season. We'll actually be at the new facility, and it literally is like across the parking lot from the stadium. So that'll be oh, nice. that'll be nice because okay. so, we've never done that before. We've you know we've never had that luxury because yeah. we were twenty minutes north. Uh, but now we'll be we'll actually be uh, right next to it. So I may have to take that from you and and go into the stadium a couple times. Yeah, and uh, you know we we never really did it um, a ton at LSU, but I, my first couple years we did it. 
uh, maybe every other week or for a home game or whatever it may be. I do remember doing it, but getting in there, you know, once, once a week, at least maybe mm-hmm. twice a week, uh, usually, usually helps me out heading into game day. Uh, and then using Saturday night, uh, just kind of as like a mental chill time, I think, uh, helps, you know, I, I uh, we, we obviously, I think, you know, I think most teams do, but we obviously go stay in a hotel uh, on Saturday night. So the team is all in one place. Uh, so really just using a little bit of that time on a Saturday night to kind of gather my thoughts, but that's not, that's not really any different than an away game uh, too much because I'm kind of doing the same thing when we're at the away game hotel. But uh, as far as like your favorite part uh, of, of home game weekends. I know we covered this kind of thing uh, for away games last week, but what is your favorite part of home uh, home weekends? I think it would be the fact that we have more time. I alluded to that kind of in my preparation part, but the time that we have on Friday in the afternoon, evening, and then also on Saturday once we're done you know, with our walkthroughs, have time to sit down, chill, watch some college football, and just – enjoy football season uh, is is probably my favorite part because when you're on the road you're you know bussing around and you're you're going down to go get food and all that different stuff so uh, just the more time and and I was fortunate mom and dad were able to come to all of my home games this year I think except one and so when they would be in town we would get to just hang out and watch watch football or, you know, grab some food or something, uh, on, on Fridays and Saturdays. So that was, that was cool. What about you? Yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite parts is the Saturday free time a little bit. Uh, after the morning walkthroughs are done, uh, we get a nice little chunk of the afternoon to kind of spend some time with family. Uh, so I'll be, I'll definitely be enjoying that this year. Uh, But another part that I'm a huge fan of for home games is when I'm driving in, you know, early Sunday morning to the stadium and seeing a ton of people have already uh, beat me out there, uh, including Chris and Drew. They're out there. I think crack of dawn. But uh, driving in Sunday morning to to you. Producer Chris. Yes. Producer Chris um, (laughs) and his co-host Drew. But uh, driving in Sunday morning and seeing all the tailgates already set up, I think that's just a really cool, uh, really cool thing for me to see. And I think it kind of just sets the tone for game day in general because you know, you know the. Fa- I mean, obviously playing in Buffalo, you know the fans are going to bring it. Uh, but it kind of just it kind of just energizes you know the players as we drive in from the get go because we know we know the fans are ready and the, you know they're ready to go in there and cheer us on. We're going to be ready to play for him. So that's that's, that's cool. another that's another big thing I like, and just just it's a it's a it's a small but big thing at the same time. So pretty cool. You play the game, you're done, you're walking out. Where are you making plans to go eat after the game? What's what is your go to spot in post game? Yeah. So I, so the past couple years it's been uh, OP Social. Uh, they're right there in the Ultra Park Village. Uh, they have some great, great food for after game. Great pizza, uh, some good, good fried chicken sandwich. It's delicious. Uh, but this year, I think I will be spending a little more time at First Line. 
uh, just because those guys, uh, I know they're they're pretty excited to be uh, fully open uh, for this season because they were kind of open at the beginning of the season, but had to shut down uh, for to go only. Uh, so I, you know, they're they're back. Uh, they're open. The bottom of their expand, the first floor of their expansion's open, which is awesome. Every time I drove by this past weekend, uh, almost every day they were open uh, in the evenings and they were packed. So people of Orchard Park, I think, are loving First Line so far. Uh, but they're yeah, they're doing a great job, and they're they they've got food now, uh, which is which is also good. So I'm sure uh, Erica Blakely and I will be spending some some post game time at first line this year so pretty pretty excited about that what that's about awesome you? and well i i wanted to i wanted to plug their pod real quick they have their own pod the guys at, at first line keeping up with the brudashians i think is what they call it yes i've i listened to their first episode and it's hilarious uh they just started up a pod as well so for for our beer loving fans listeners Go check out Keeping Up with the Brudashians. I think that was a really creative name. Definitely, yeah. They were they were uh, hung up for a while. I think on on what they were gonna call it, but uh, when they said that that's what they were calling it, I, I couldn't help but laugh because it is very very clever. My favorite post game spot is Mission Barbecue. Oh, mom, mom and I, mom and dad and I. Went there a couple times uh, this past season after games. I'm a big barbecue fan, and they are great. I I think I've talked out, talked about it on here before, but um, it's very first responder forward. Uh, they are big in su- supporting the military and things like that. But they they do a really good brisket sandwich that I love. Uh, that's probably my favorite post game spot. I might I may branch out a little bit and see you know some other good spots, but for now that's my that's my go to. So that wraps up our uh, day in the life series of of that was this week we talked about home games. Uh, just a reminder, last week was about away games, and the week before that, which was the first part of our series, uh, we covered training camp and the days and the weeks leading into the season, uh, and also. A little bit on preseason games. So uh, give those a listen. I believe that's episodes five, six, and now this week is seven. Uh, so give those a listen and be sure to let us know what you think. Uh, so moving on, we are going to head into short snaps. Short snaps. Stip snap, stip snap, stip snap. All the news that's fit to kick. So we had some big news, uh, sort of big news, come out of the league this, this week. Uh, a couple days ago. Groundbreaking, uh, especially groundbreaking, I think, for uh, you and I being from Atlanta. Uh, but Julio Jones was traded to the uh, Tennessee Titans, I think, for a couple a uh, couple draft picks. Um, but it was pretty, you know, it, you know, seeing that, I think, uh, you know, it's it's great for him to get a new start on another team. Uh, but it was kind of cra- it was kind of just. Uh, you know, taking a step back, kind of look, kind of, kind of realizing that this this guy, this he he he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, look at a lot of his definitely stats over the past. Definitely going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, stats over, I don't know how long he's played 10, 10, 11 years. He's been he's been sim, you know, nothing short of unbelievable there with the Falcons in Atlanta. But uh, just watching him as we were growing up for so long. 
uh, it, you know, it was, it was, it was awesome. What, you know, watching him kind of play for the hometown team, but you know, I, I think, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of starting over there, over there in Atlanta. I think they uh, got a new head coach from Tennessee, but it's, you know, it sounds like they're, sounds like they're just flipping around, uh, some guys down there. So be, be pretty cool to see, I think, you know, see, see what, what he can do in a run first offense. So I actually saw some news today where uh, A.J. Brown, who is a receiver for the Titans, wears number eleven. Oh, he was the one. He was the one that when the he was kind new, of fighting for Julio to go, when, wasn't he? When the news first that. broke, he was like, could not be more excited about about Julio being there. And actually, I believe last year in warmups, maybe it was the year before. He actually wore a Julio Jones jersey like in warmups of a game one time. Like oh, wow. as a Titans player. Weird. Yeah. Kind of weird. But it's cool to like see him. I don't think I've ever seen that. It's cool to see him like catch up with, you know, get connected with his his idol and somebody that he's, you know, models his game after because they're both big tall receivers. But I did see some news where AJ Brown, who wears number eleven, he actually tried to give up number eleven to Julio, and Julio didn't want to take it. He said, "No, you keep it. That's you know, that's your number." Which I thought was really cool. I thought that that was that cool. very noble of Julio to you know not want to you know mix it up too much when he when he got there to Nashville. Yeah, I mean, I think the logical thing is you're if you're looking at if you're if you're Julio, you know what? I don't know how old he is. Maybe thirty three. 32 years old. I mean, how he AJ Brown is probably going to spend more time in Tennessee over the next, you know, however many years than Julio is. So I think, you know, from Julio's point of view, it's probably the right thing to do to just let him uh, let him keep the number. But I'll be interested to see. You know, I'll, you I'll, you only know Julio in 11 because I think he was 11 at Bama too. I believe. So any, anyway, but it'll it'll be weird to see him. See him in another jersey, but uh, another uh, you know a big he wore big, number eight. Big, he wore number eight. Number eight. Alabama. That's right. That's right. I forgot. Yeah. So so kind of mo- moving on. Uh, next thing, a uh, couple couple nights ago, huge Concacaf Nations League final. USA, USA, USA uh, defeated Mexico uh, for the first time I believe in a while in an actual competitive match, uh, much less a final. Uh, but our man Christian Pulisic scored the winning penalty in extra time to bring home the W, bring home the trophy, the hardware. It was it was actually impre- it was impressive. I didn't I I fell asleep. I did I admittedly did not watch the whole game, uh, but it was it was impressive because I think you know with the young nucleus that we've got here for the U.S. men's national team to come you know Mexico. They're, the Mexican A team has given us such a struggle. They've given us such a hard time, uh, really, over the past decade or so. Uh, so to to come back not once but twice to tie the score against them, and then to win an extra time, and held on to the win with a penalty save to keep it from going to three uh, three at the, at the end at the very very tail end of the game. I think that that says a lot about the guys that we've got now. I'm super excited to keep watching them, and uh, pretty, pretty, pretty pumped that we brought home uh, a, a, a pretty, a pretty major trophy. Yeah, that's huge, and and you know that's our boy Pulisic 
being Chelsea, both of us being Chelsea fans, it's always fun to see him have success with the U.S. with the U.S. team as well. Obviously, oh, yeah. being American, but yeah, I mean, it was it was really cool. I was at the boxing match, so I didn't I get I didn't get to watch it, but I saw all of the highlights and the you know the celebration where the, the Mexico fans were like throwing trash and stuff on the field and it just looked like craziness and chaos, but it, it was really cool to see us beat Mexico and you know, on the, on the late penalty is makes it even sweeter. So that was, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty excited about that. Like you said, our man Pulisic champions league winner week and a half, two weeks ago, CONCACAF nations league winner, Dude's riding, riding high. Ago, I mean, he's riding high. He's riding high. But uh, and I think they're going for the Gold Cup this summer. So uh, look to bring home another trophy, boys. But So our last short snap deals with some golf news from over the weekend. Coming out of the Memorial Tournament, John Rahm was up six strokes on Saturday when one of the marshals or the tournament execs came up to him and told him that he had tested positive for covid and after the 18th hole dude, i think he I would was, be he was sick. done for the day after be posting the best three the best score he, shot, he tied he shot eight under that for day. the best score through three rounds of the memorial tournament ever i think he tied tiger for the best score through three days of that tournament, ever. unbelievable. They said Bang. the they said the winning purse Positive. for that. They said the winning purse for that tournament was one point six seven million dollars, and pretty penny. a lot of people were saying that he should have been able to play solo on Sunday, but that would have. I think. I think. I don't think the rules officials were going to allow that or whatever, um, just because of everything surrounding a positive COVID test, but it's, uh, it's certainly crazy. And, and I think he was only, I think he was only tested because he was a close contact. Um, not because he actually was symptomatic. So, uh, and then he ended up testing positive, but it's, it certainly is heartbreaking for him because he was doing so well and then ended up having to withdraw from the tournament. But yeah, I think I was watching live and, and when he, you could clearly see on the TV when he was told the news. I mean, it looked like it. I mean, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, you could just tell nobody. They didn't. They 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 didn't know on TV what was going on immediately. Uh, but a few minutes later, when obviously you, you know when you found out, but for those few minutes, I mean, he he like dropped to his knees. I mean, you could tell something just just struck him so hard and and. Uh, I I honestly that you know a po- the having getting a positive test back was not. Uh, really in my thoughts because I mean I, I mean you know everything that we've been through with football you know we, we get our test back that you know the the morning of or whatever uh, at this point but uh, I think man that is just that is brutal to get it back yeah. on the 18th hole I mean yeah you'd think they could just wait a couple hours and tell him when he gets in the clubhouse or something I mean yeah. gosh that's tough I- man I did see where look like some of the Vegas casinos are actually going to pay out to the people who picked or who bet on on John Rahm to win the tournament. Yeah. So that is cool. Yeah, uh, very that's the that's the impressive. redeeming thing I think out of out of the 
out of the story is yeah. that, uh, you know, it is some, some uh, you know, not for John Rom, but yeah. for the, for the good people that, that place their, their hard earned money on him to win. I think, uh, I think the, the, the casinos were saying, you know, six, six strokes were enough to count it, count it as a, as a win. So, uh, good for those people that, that took a, uh, took a chance on John and, and, uh, were able to cash that ticket. Yeah. So we wish John Rahm a speedy recovery. He's playing good golf right now. So, uh, I'm sure when he's able to be back, he's going to, he's going to tear it up again. So that does it for short snaps. You want to drink some beer? Lord, beer me strength. Bros and Brews Beer Reviews. Thank you for that beautiful intro, Chris. Um, and I, Blake, you will be happy to hear that this week I do have a can to pop. Uh, last couple of weeks, I have been uh, bringing bottles to the table. So There's nothing better than the pop of a nice beer can. There's not. There's really not, especially if it's nice and crisp. Yes. So uh, this week... I've got a uh, a new one for for me. I've never had it before. Uh, is from Hamburg Brewing Company here locally in uh, in Western New York. It's called the Juice Box Boy, and I I, I, I think um, I cannot. Oh, oh, I know who gave it to me. Uh, Tyler Matikavich. We were over at his house a couple weeks ago, uh, and he sent me home with one of these. It says on the can, it says it's a DDH IPA. I'm not sure what that is, uh, but it says it's got vanilla, mango, tangerine, and passion fruit. So sounds uh, sounds pretty much right up my alley. I'm going to give it a nice pop. DDH is dr- double dry hopped. Double dry hopped. There you go. All right. Give it a nice pop. That was like in slow motion. All right. That was slow-mo. Here we go. Oh, man. That is so good. <laughs> my <laughs> eyes are watering because the IBA was was like ah, stinging my throat there for a second. But, oh my. man, that is, uh, you know, the, the first the first sip always gets you. Uh, but, that man, that is delicious. Juice Box Boy uh, from Hamburg Brewing Company. I believe it is, it's 8%. Uh, so it's definitely got a little kick to it, but um, I'm going to get, man, that snaposity score is going to be good on this one. I'm going to give it a, um, I'm going to give it an 8.4. This one, this one's phenomenal. If you can, uh, if for, for the people here in Buffalo, if you can stop by uh, consumers maybe, or even Hamburg uh, Brewing Company, uh, stop by, they might, they might be selling. I haven't been there in a long time, but uh yeah, this is this is a definite recommend for me for for uh, IPA lovers out there here in, in Western New York. So, uh, Hamburg Brewing Company Juice Box Boy, very cool logo. So, I feel Blake, like they what do you got? Have, I feel like they should have named it Juice Juice Box Hero. Oh man, not Juice Box Boy. That's missed opportunity. It's okay, but the beer that I have actually arrived today to oh my residence and it is from our good friends the biscus family at Stillfire oh, brewing company man nice yes. so uh out the of uh, swanee georgia swanee georgia there you go and so the biscus family 
good family friends of ours. Uh, their daughter Katie was one of my is one of my best friends uh, from high school, and so they have a brewery in Suwannee, Georgia, and it is unbelievable. They do they do a great job, um, and so they I wanted to feature them on the pod, so they sent me um, a four pack with uh, two different beers, and they sent me this cool hat. So um, they said that uh, Mr. John said that he's going to send you uh, a hat as well and, and maybe get you a, a four pack of tall boys. Dang, as well. Okay. So, All right. Yes. So the one that I am going to be uh, reviewing is the uh, orange diva and it is a blood orange wheat. It's a 5.3 uh, ABV, but this is an award. It's actually an award winning beer. So they won uh, bronze in the 2020 Great American Beer Festival for this specific uh, ale. Special, uh, it's the 2020 bronze Belgian style specialty ale. I have actually had this before, but it was um it was from the keg. It was actually at the it was at the brewery. But let's see how it goes in a can. Pop it. There you go. Wow. All right, here we go. It's fresh. It's so good and citrusy. It's it's super refreshing. Um, it's got some really cool art on the can, and it's just a fun like. It's like an outdoorsy kind of beer, but uh, you and I both are big on like the fruit, fruit fruity beers. Um, not as much like the sours that are fruity, but just like fruity, uh, nodes to the beer. I'll add that nodes. So I'll give this one, it's award winning, but I would say I'll give it at like an 8.6 because I feel like, and I think I've said this before. I feel like when you have a beer that is above an 8.5, that's like a beer that you will like stand by, no matter what anybody thinks of it. And this is one that I've had it before. I love this beer and I'll, I'll stand by this no matter what, like if you think it's trash, I, I still think it's a really good beer. So um, yeah. So this is still fire brewing company um, out of Suwannee, Georgia had to give a nod to our, our hometown folks. So uh, shout out to John and uh, miss Lori for sending me the beer. Uh, well, while we're uh, sipping, Let's get into a couple mailbags. We got three on tap, uh, no pun intended, for tonight. Kicking it off, our man Brett from Nash, Vegas, at Brett in real life on IG. He asks, what is the best post-game meal that you've ever had? So the best post-game meal I've ever had, you mentioned it earlier in the pod. And we get it at a couple different places, and that is Mission Barbecue, uh, because the brisket and the stu- the you know the rolls, the green beans, whatever you know, all the stuff we get, cornbread, is just so nice after a game as you're sitting there on the bus on the way to the airport. It's a great meal. Uh, I think we've gotten it a couple places. I think uh, maybe you know definitely Miami. Uh, I think we have gotten it. I think we, we get it when we play at the Titans, and I think we also get it when we play in Houston. 
so and I and I can't remember maybe Kansas City. I can't remember if it's if it's there or not. I think definitely Tennessee, Houston, and Miami though. So I would think in uh, I would think in KC they'd probably have like a little more of like a specialty. I think they smaller. have a KC local spot, but yeah. Um, I yeah, I mean so. Mission Barbecue uh, is 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 one of the best. I think for my best post game meal, I'm gonna flex a little bit and tell you that it was after the national championship game. Okay, okay. We played in New Orleans, and where better to get Popeyes than in New Orleans? Oh, we had baby. the we had the Popeyes. It was it was very shortly after they became widespread, but it was when the Popeyes chicken sandwiches were like super popular and so they had Popeye's chicken sandwiches for the whole team and I had been told from people that had tried it already that you have to get the uh, spicy one you have to get the spicy one and add some ranch to it and it was just chef's kiss like it was it was so good love that all right moving on Uh, at KK on Instagram uh, asks us, do you ever get to play cool scout team positions? I frequently run down on scout kickoff. It's actually good because uh, it's on days that we we kick field goals on those days, and so it like loosens up my legs and gets me going for the field goal period that's later on in practice. So I am on a lot of times on kickoff on the scout kickoff team, but. That's really it. We have we have scout team guys that play other positions on other phases and stuff like that. But uh, I do like I do enjoy running down on scout kickoff. It's not a lot of contact. They're you know they're they're not out there trying to trying to hurt the the long the one long snapper that we have. So, uh, but it is fun. I, I enjoy doing it, and you know hope I can keep doing it. Yeah, I I'll, I'll second that. Uh, I do try to get out as much as I can on special teams, uh, scout teams when applicable. Uh, kickoff, mainly kickoff and kickoff return because you know punt days when I'm snapping. It's 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 pretty cool to get out there and, and service, you know, service your teammates, give them a good look. Uh, but I think as far as like a cool scout team position, uh, a couple years ago in training camp, I did play receiver. No, nobody was covering me. No, I didn't run a route. I was basically just kind of jogging off the line, giving a look. So, uh, felt pretty athletic. Also, on the flip side, I is have the, stood. Is that the only time you've ever played receiver? Yes. On the flip side, I a couple years ago, I also uh, jumped in and played scout team uh, corner. Wow! And I was covering some of the. Uh, some of the you know top guys for the first team offense a couple years ago. So pretty cool, I guess, in terms of cool scout team positions. Uh, but third, our third and final question from Alan Goodwin on IG. He asks, "What Louisiana things do you miss?" Crawfish. See the no question. I, we are definitely brothers because I went towards food also. You but, were going to go. Raising, raising canes. canes. Yep. It's not even close. Uh, raising canes um, ha- ha- was a big part of my life, for being honest. <laughs> big part of my life. And uh, I miss it. I miss being single close teardrop. to one. Uh, single teardrop. 
I miss being close to one, and so does Erica. So uh, when we take our uh, little summer trip down to Texas, we're going to get some canes, and we're probably going to get some Shipley's Donuts, because uh, definitely miss those about Louisiana. Yeah, those are probably those are probably the top the top two things on my list, both food related. Are Shipley's Donuts the best donuts in Louisiana? In Louisiana, yes. Because I might have a strong contender. Not for nationwide. My well, I know strong... you're probably gonna you're probably gonna talk about that place in New Orleans. No, I'm not. The crafty D- district the craft donut district place? donuts. No district donuts. No, I'm talking straight up glazed donut. Rod- Mary, Rodney's Mary, no Mary Lee. Mary Lee on Perkins. Mary Lee. Yes. It's Never had little, it. It's this little Asian family. They run the best donut shop. And and this is like widely, widely disputed across the football circles in in at LSU. Wow. Yes. Because there's got there's a lot of guys that grew up on either Mary Lee or Shipley's from around the state of Louisiana. I, in my opinion, Mary Lee is the best. I didn't know if you had had Mary Lee or any other of the donut spots in South Louisiana. Interesting. No, I've, I don't know if I've ever had Mary Lee. I haven't had District either. I know a lot of people rave about District. But Shipley's, I think, is uh, number one in Louisiana. But now that I've been here, but now that I've been here in Buffalo for a couple years, I honestly, Paula's Donuts, I'm really not sure – I'm really, really, I've had, I've had a lot of donuts in my lifetime. I'm really not sure any stack up to what Paula's has to offer. I'm really not sure. So anyway, needless to say, Canes, Shipley's, definitely what I miss most about Louisiana. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of After the Snap. Thank you guys for joining us. You can find us on social media at After the Snap Pod for updates on various topics we ask you to give us a nice glowing review we thoroughly enjoy reading our five-star reviews on the pod so uh, if you have it in your heart to leave us a review we might read it on the air we will Uh, we haven't done that in a couple weeks but we we will be reading five-star reviews next week so if you want to get shouted out Bring it on. Give us a nice review. Leave us a good rating. We'll give you a shout out on the pod. This has been After the Snap, tales from two brothers who live life upside down.